Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hi guys, welcome back to Kindled. I'm so happy to be back here. June was a great month away to take a breath and take a little bit of a break, although it didn't end up being much of a break and I will tell you why. But before that, I wanted to catch you up on a little piece of news that you may be wondering. If you were waiting with bated breath for Kat Armstrong's episode, which I announced in the last episode, she is no longer able to speak with me until later this fall. She's in the middle of editing a book slash writing a book, and she emailed saying she was so sorry. And because of what's on her plate in this season, she has to say no to things that she really desperately wants to do. So I understand, and I know you understand, and we're not mad about it. We will talk to Kat later this fall when she has a little more margin. I have not talked to you guys since May, so I hope you had a beautiful month of June. I know it was a much-needed break for me, and what I thought I was actually taking a break to do was to consider the future of the podcast, the type of content I was putting out to make sure it aligned with my mission and goals and beliefs and heart, but what it actually ended up being for me was um, a month full of selling a business. And obviously God knew I needed the space to prepare for that and actually make the transaction transaction happen. Um, I didn't know that that was going to be happening when I took the break. So God knows what we need. And he provided that. So I sold a business. I sold my first business called The Yellow Peony. It's a bridal accessories business. And I found a local buyer on a website who found the listing and it's gone. It's it's hers. She We signed on the dotted line on Tuesday, and it's all still very new and very fresh. I'm very excited about the future of the business. I'm excited for the future for my family and my work-life balance, and I have a lot going on, so one less thing on my plate is a good thing. So it's all been just really, honestly, perfect timing and just an amazing situation. So what I want to do with this episode today is share a little bit of the backstory of what brought me to a place of realizing that I had to sell this business and it was time. There is a lot more than I would ever care to tell you and make you listen to in an episode on Kindled. So I'm going to distill it down to six minutes. Here you go. I started my business in 2011 by listing a few products on Etsy. My mom sent me an email. She owned a store at the time, and she had a customer who was looking for a bridal headpiece. She knew I had made my bridesmaids headpieces for the wedding and suggested that maybe I make one for her customer. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. And seven days after she had sent me that email with the request, I was announcing to family and friends that I had an Etsy shop. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no um, really materials or idea of any products other than the ones I had already made for my bridesmaids. So I took those materials, made an item for the customer who was requesting it from her, and started working with that girl um, one-on-one and personally 
providing her service. And she, we agreed on a price and, you know, I delivered her the product. She loved it. My first transaction had then occurred. And fast forward, seven years later, that girl is actually one of my best friends. Her name's Kristen, and she lives in the neighborhood next to mine, and our kids are friends. We've known each other all these seven years and stayed friends. So side note that life is just funny sometimes. So because I was a pretty early adopter on Etsy and started my shop in 2011, there wasn't as much saturation at the time. So it didn't take as much for me to start getting traction and getting sales and start growing that business. And so the retail side of my business really started exploding. And then I quickly realized that I, in order to expand beyond just retail and get into shops, I needed to sell wholesale to bridal boutiques because they mark products up and sell them to brides. So I had to figure out how to kind of pivot my business and get into a wholesale market, which meant lower profit margins, but bigger reach. And I wouldn't have to be doing as much of the actual selling one-on-one to brides, which takes a lot of time, especially when you're talking about online transactions and, you know, what color of white the veil is. Well, is it diamond white? Is it ivory? Is it natural white? Is it off-white? Is it bright white? I mean, there was just so much that had to be communicated and clarified online and and virtually that could have been easily figured out in a store. And so I realized I kind of wanted to start taking my business more that direction. So after the first few years of really growing successfully in a retail environment, I started building that wholesale side of the business and that started taking off. The tipping point for that part of my business really came from the decision to take my line to New York bridal market in the fall of 2015. At that trade show event, I doubled my business. And so I had about nine stores at the time, and I got nine more retailers from New York Bridal Market. So I really had a growing, budding bridal business on my hands, and I was having to figure out how to handle production for more pieces and more orders and and larger orders. And so I started to have to worry about things like outsourcing production and how to serve you know, now 20 to 21 clients across the country and in Australia. And it was just, uh, I was finding myself in the middle of running a business that I hadn't even planned to start, if that makes sense. I found myself in the middle of, of a successful business that I hadn't even asked for or intended Uh, now I was excited about it and I loved it and I loved, you know, being successful and getting more stores and creating beautiful things. Um, but I had found out actually right before we went to New York that I was eight weeks pregnant with my second daughter. So needless to say, that started to kind of get the wheels turning. Am I going to be able to do this with two kids? Like, can I handle my life? And, this growing business with two children. And, you know, what is that going to mean for my family? And what does that mean for me? And can I keep up the lifestyle that I want? And then my second daughter was born. (laughs) And then, you know, everyone who has more than one kid knows exactly what I'm talking about. You have less time and less energy and less um, of that, you know, willpower that you had as an early 20-year-old or in your early 20s to stay up till 1 and 2 a.m. to make things happen and to get things done and to be productive. And uh, you are you value your sleep a little more and your alone time, and you have a lot less of all of that. You have a lot less margin, um, a lot less time. And 
And so basically, I just found myself at a point where I realized in order to continue to grow the business and bring it to a place that I thought it deserved to go and that it could go, it was going to take more resources than I had available. I mean, that's really all it came down to. I was not going to be able to give it what it needed. I mean, a business is a living, breathing thing, just like a person, just like a website, um, and it needs resources. And generally, it really takes the resources of the owner. If there is just, especially with a solopreneur business where there's a, a one person running the show, it it derives its uh, vitality and its life and its energy and vigor directly from the entrepreneur running it, from the person running it. And so when I had less, the business had less. You know, when I put in less, it put out less. And so I saw that pattern emerging and I realized you know, I'm probably going to end up driving this into the ground because I can't give it what it needs. So why wouldn't I want to see it thrive and continue to grow in the hands of someone who has the resources and time and passion to take it there? And to be honest, that was a very hard decision for me to make because this is like my baby. Like this is, this was a baby that I had before I had my babies. I mean, I started it seven years ago and it was, you know, as much a part of my life as anything else. Making beautiful things for brides and um, packaging them up in sweet little boxes with ribbon and my yellow peony stamp and filling it with yellow crinkle paper and just all of the little details of, you know, a life and a process that become kind of part of who you are. Like that was just a day in and day out. I would, I would be producing orders and shipping them all the time, whether it was Etsy or wholesale orders. Um, and so like to imagine my life without that element of creating these beautiful things and sharing that beauty with the world and putting it out into the world and to say, okay, what if I don't do that anymore? Then like, then who am I? I mean, that was a real question that I found myself asking, like, am I okay without that? Can I be all right if I'm not the one doing that? And like, do I, do I want that to really be my reality? And, um, you know, it was a slow process, I think, of, of just remembering and, you know, sitting in the truth that I am more than what I create, and this goes back again to that episode six of my work testimony, but I am not my work. And so even if I stop creating these beautiful things, even if um, that isn't my contribution of art and beauty in the world, that doesn't mean that I cannot still um, be art and beauty in the world and that I, what I'm creating with my life is art and beauty. You know what I mean? Like my, my family, like my children pouring, having more time to pour into them and be more present with them instead of thinking of all the orders I've got to do when they get to bed. I just began to make a a shift happen where I realized that, that I, the summation, like my work was not the summation of the beauty that I could produce and the beauty that I am. (laughs) Um, before God really is what it came down to for me to understand and believe and realize that that business was not the end all be all. And that if I was lifting it up on this pedestal and presenting it even to the Lord as something that is my offering, 
of um of beauty and creativity and passion and pursuit and that and it was my ultimate offering well things that we lift up on pedestals and feel far beneath and uh and that that kind of tower over us those are called idols so i realized if i can't let this go um for the right reasons and i have all the right reasons to let it go it might be it might be becoming an idol and that was a you know was a realization for me so i you know so all of that to say it's just kind of the internal processing of a girl that is that really loves what she does and and wishes i could do it all you know i mean i found myself asking like why can't i just keep doing it all well because what got me here isn't going to get me there what got me to this place of success in that business would not get me to the next level. It needed more money, more time, more resources, more energy than I was willing and able to give it. And then couple that with the fact that I, um, you know, also realized that there was this whole other part of me and side of me and um, audience that I was wanting to serve. And that is women who are straddling the line between motherhood and work and um and living fully in both places and you know and asking the question of what it looks like to do that with grace and do that in a way that glorifies God and is true to his calling on all of our lives um to be fishers of men but also to be producers and to be people that, um, you know, fill the earth and subdue it. And what does that mean for us to do that in our families and in our jobs and in our businesses? And, and how do we do all of it at the same time, you know, and how do we like, those are the types of topics and things that interest me and that I'm passionate about talking about and, you know, sharing what I've learned and where I'm at in my own walk with that. And so, you know, all of those things just led me to a place of realizing, like, I could let it go. I, I, and I should. And so I listed it, I got the offer, and, you know, here we are. So I, I signed the papers on Tuesday, and that was um, three days ago. So it's all still really fresh and new, and I want to give it the, um, you know, the moment it deserves in my life to look back and say, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for, thank you for what that was, God. And just thank you for the opportunity that I had to um, produce beauty. And, and more importantly than that, it's not about the things. It was about the fact that truly that business showed me that I was capable of making something worthy of someone's time or someone's money or someone's attention. I was capable of produce, producing something that was valuable. And it taught me to believe in myself. <laughs> that's really what it, that's why I'm emotional because it's the catalyst that God used to show me what I was capable of and to show me what he was capable of through me. And so to realize that, you know, beauty matters to God and taking the time to craft delicate details that will make someone feel as beautiful as they truly are matters in the kingdom. Um, that it wasn't a waste of time and that it wasn't silly or frivolous, but 
also at the same time, it wasn't the extent of what God wanted to do through me and in me and with me. It wasn't like the the best or the only way that I could display his beauty and reflect that into the world. And so when I started realizing that and just being like open to the idea that like maybe you have something else, like you are doing a new thing in me. And if I cling to what you've given me in the past, I can't accept what you might be wanting to give me in the future. Um, and I don't want to miss out on that because I know how beautiful and how awesome and life-giving and fun this business has been for me to um, operate and to run and to see it grow and thrive and make people happy and feed my family and support my family financially in times where we definitely could not have made it without it. I mean, it made our ends meet in so many ways and in so many seasons. Um, You know, if God dreamt that up, which he did, because, you know, I definitely had no idea I was ever going to run a bridal business, then what else might he have in store? And if he was creative enough to find a way to bring a journalism student into an accessories business through Etsy, you know, what else might he have up his sleeve for me? And I don't want to miss out on that because I'm clinging so hard to what he had given me to provide in the past. And, And, you know, sometimes I think God... We think that God can only provide the way that he has provided, when in fact, he can provide any freaking way he wants, and he does. And so if we're clinging to that past way and that past that we've we've seen how he's provided for us so far, we don't see that in our future or right up ahead over the horizon. And so we think, oh my gosh, God's not going to provide for me anymore. He's forgotten. He's not doing it. You know, what's happening? Um... What if he's allowed to do something new? <laughs> what if he is allowed to be creative and to reimagine and to inspire us to reimagine? And um, what if that process of letting go is actually part of the beauty that we're that we're creating in the world and that we are being in the world for the world to see? What if the letting go is part of his purpose in? giving us something to hold, you know, it's like he gave it to me to grow and to hold. And then he gave it to me to let go. And so, um, anyways, I wanted to share a little bit about that because it is so fresh and, uh, it's been really fun. I mean, honestly, it's been really exciting just to, to see that now I've created something that, um, can live on beyond me and can, um, hopefully thrive in the hands of, of someone else and be someone else's dream that they will inject their own personality and vision and, um, and energy into. And I'm excited to see where it goes, but I'm also just excited to see where God takes me and my family as a result of that. And then the second thing I wanted to do with this episode, besides share about selling this business is, share four of the lessons that I learned from the yellow peony from the business and from running it. And the first one of those is bloom where you're planted. When I started this business, I didn't have any grand scheme or plan for it. What I did was simply take what was in front of me and use that in a way that I saw an opportunity. So I saw I had bridal accessories. 
I had materials from making my own bridal accessories uh, for my bridesmaids. I had someone that was asking about me making the very same thing for them. And um, I saw that as an opportunity. I used what I had. I used what was in front of me. I noticed what was in front of me and saw it for what it was. And I bloomed where I was planted. So I just took that that chance and that opportunity right there to say, I have, you know, leftover fabric and feathers and pearls. I can make that. I can do what you're asking. And, you know, maybe your thing isn't making flower fascinators or bridal accessories, but maybe your thing is you have a skill and you know someone who needs that skill. Or you see someone who who maybe they don't recognize that they need it, but you see that they need it. Bloom where you're planted. Um, Running or starting a business is not about going out and finding a silver bullet idea that is going to magically and mysteriously make you a millionaire. Bloom where you're planted. Don't look outside of yourself for an idea. Look at what you have, where you're at, use what you have, use what you can start doing today or tomorrow or quickly, um, easily you know, start there. It doesn't mean you can't ever, you know, shoot for the stars or, you know, do something that's hard. I'm not saying don't do hard things, only do easy things. I'm just saying like you can get early wins. You can get often wins, early and often successes when you are blooming where you're planted. I mean, you know, a flower that wants to bloom across the yard is going to have a much harder time, first of all, getting to you know, getting its seed over to the other side of the yard and then growing up big enough and strong enough to actually produce a bloom than if they just go, here I am, here's where I'm at, I'm going to bloom right here. It takes less resources. It takes less energy. It is easier. I mean, I'm not going to let that analogy just speak for itself because I've probably overexplained it, but bloom where you're planted. And then start before you're ready. That's the second lesson that I've learned from the yellow peony. I started long before I had any business doing this. Um, I actually uncovered as I was kind of looking back over the years to see what day I actually started because I realized, you know, as I was closing this business sale in the end of June, I realized I actually started my shop in the end of June. And it came out that uh, I started the shop. I, I got an email from my mom on June 20th saying that she had had, she owned a store at the time and she had a bride, a a, a girl that was that came into the shop asking about hair accessories and if we had if this the store had any bridal accessories and she said no but you know I had gotten married 10 days earlier on June 10th and she knew that I had made all those accessories so she thought oh maybe Haley could make them and so she emailed me forwarded me the girl's email and said I don't know if you'd be interested but this person came in looking for this and maybe you could make your own line of stuff or maybe you could help her And I responded saying, like, doesn't this girl know you could just, she could just get it on Etsy. Um, And then she was like, well, I think she thinks we're the Etsy types. And so then, you know, it planted this seed in my mind of, oh, I could, I could put these on Etsy. Like, huh, you know, hadn't actually thought of that. The funny thing is this girl that sent that email is actually one of my friends who became my friend through that process of making her, her accessory. It's Kristen and she lives in the neighborhood next to me. Um, to this day, I mean, we're, we're friends seven years later, our kids are friends. It's just hilarious that it started with that. But, um, I started, so that email came on June 20th. And then I, I looked back in my, uh, email and found 
that I sent an email to family and friends on June 27th telling them I had opened an Etsy shop and told them the name and what we were, what I was making and what I was selling. And so seven days, you know, after getting that first email from my mom with her having the idea, I opened, I had a store open that I was announcing. So that means I probably started it like three or four days after the email came and filled it with items and probably started creating items so that I would have something to take a picture of something to list in the store that was for sale, you know? And so I know not everybody is like that, and I know I'm totally a starter, so it's easy for me. Starting is not the hard part. Um, what's harder for me is finishing. But I think what is what um, you know has been helpful about that over the years is that I have always started early and often. I've gotten comfortable with starting. I've gotten comfortable with the uncertainty of starting not knowing is this how I will always do this? Have I thought through everything? No, definitely not. I'm just going to start and I'll change as I go. I will realign and readjust and make, you know, make adjustments and changes as needed, but I'm just going to get started because then that means I'm going to finish or that means that I'm, I'm rolling. That means I'm going and I, once I'm going, it's harder for me to really decide to stop, you know? And even with the same with this podcast, I started before I was ready. I told my husband I had the idea um, for a podcast, and I wasn't really sure what it would look like or what the topic or subject was, and he ordered me a microphone that day. I didn't even know he had done it, but it showed up two days later because it was from Amazon Prime, and that meant, you know, okay, I have a microphone. I've got to start. I'm not exactly ready. I don't know what I'm doing. It's not like I have a, a outline for the year, but I'm going to start because that's what I'm good at. And I'm, it has always served me well. Like starting before I was ready has always served me well. And the third thing is that it's okay to change your mind. And you need to hear that after hearing start before you're ready, because if you start before you're ready, you are definitely going to make mistakes. You are absolutely 100% going to mess up. And I don't know if you're hearing me, you're going to mess up. A lot of times we are so afraid to change our mind because we know that that implies that we've made a mistake. If we change our minds, then we know everybody will recognize and see that that's evidence that we have to course correct. Okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say you should make it your goal to make mistakes. Why? Because making mistakes means that you're taking action. You know who isn't making any mistakes? The one who isn't doing anything. (laughs) The person who's literally sitting on an idea or sitting on a desire or a passion and doing nothing about it is making zero mistakes, but they're also making zero progress and having zero success and having zero fulfillment or zero encouragement or um, ability to even improve on their process because there is no process. There is nothing happening. There's no action. And so it's just a, it's a stagnant, static thing that's just, you know, maybe a desire or a wish. It's, it's really nothing more than a wish because nothing's happening. So I have to say that you should, your goal should be to make mistakes because that means that you are, there's forward progress happening. You can fail forward and, and in making mistakes, you grow the absolute most. Every single time I've made a mistake in my business, I've learned way more than just one simple lesson or that I should have done something differently. I've learned above and beyond that, you know, exponentially um, through that process. And so 
you know, I mean, I can, I actually made a list of a few of the mistakes and a few of the times that I've changed my mind in that business alone, in Yellow Peony alone. I changed my mind on my logo multiple times. I think I changed my logo three times throughout the course of that business. So like once every two years, I changed my mind on who was making the products I was selling. Sometimes it was me. Sometimes I tried to get someone else to make it and by hiring someone or getting an intern or outsourcing to another creator. Um, I changed my mind on the products I was offering multiple times. I mean, not only is it the nature of the business that you come out with new products every season and, and the fashion season and bridal turns over every fall and spring. So that's necessary to be in that business. But I also just decided to stop offering certain products, even in the middle of a season, if it wasn't performing well, or if I didn't enjoy, you know, enjoy making it, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one to make that anymore. I'm going to find someone else to make it, or I'm going to stop because it's, it's miserable or it's terrible. Or if I didn't like how the materials were working together and it wasn't, it didn't seem to be coming out well and the quality was below what I was willing to accept, then, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to say, sorry, that's no longer available. Um, the pricing of my products, I changed the pricing lots of times. Um, and generally it was to increase the prices as I would find out that, you know, things were going to cost me more or I had made a, you know, bad choice on what I had originally priced a product or I hadn't planned to have someone else's labor hours. I was just kind of thinking it was me going to be making it. And then I had to charge more when it was someone else. So I still was profitable. Um, I changed my mind on how products were made, on who was making them, how I sold them, who I sold them to. Yes, even who I sold them to. So I changed my mind on my target audience and who I was really seeking to appeal to from a lower end budget bride to elevating my brand a bit to appeal to um, more kind of mid mid market and um, a bride with very expensive taste, but maybe a more moderate budget. So not like a bargain seeker looking for the cheapest option. I wasn't trying to be the cheapest. Um, whereas when I started out, I thought that that was what I wanted. Um, I ended up raising my prices so that I would appeal to a more middle of the road bride. Uh, I changed, um, you know, from a retail focus to a wholesale focus. Um, early on in my business, I started on Etsy. You know, 100% of my business came from Etsy and my website starting out in the first few years. And as I got more and more stores that were carrying my line, I realized that those accounts were the direction I wanted to take the whole business because I wanted um, to be working less on, you know, the retail side with, uh, you know, messaging and communicating back and forth with brides. And it was easier for me to just sell one large lot to a store of product and for them to carry my stock and then me to receive an order every time there was something from a bride and I didn't have to do all the back and forth. The store just told me what they wanted, what size, the length, the, you know, whatever, all the details. And it was just easier for my lifestyle of not having to be both the salesperson and the customer service associate and blah, 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 and the maker and all of that. So I changed my mind a lot. I mean, that is um, that is just true. And I think it's perfectly okay and actually advisable that you change your mind. If you never would have changed your mind, somebody would say, what is wrong with that person? They are just bullheaded and, you know, pushing full steam ahead whether or not it's a good idea. So change your mind. And then the last thing that I want to share is that you don't need permission you just need purpose. And why why do I say that? Um, I think that a lot of people and a lot of us in 
who are seeking to go into business or seeking to start something new, especially when we're in the beginning stages of starting something new, we just want someone to tell us, like, you have permission to do this. You are welcome here or you belong here or you you will be successful or you have a likely chance of being successful. We just want some sort of affirmation that this is where we should be. But I'm here to tell you there is nobody who can give you that permission and not even yourself, actually. You aren't really able to say because you can't with any certainty know that you'll be successful, right? And that's what the uncertainty is, is that we know that there's no guarantee. And so we're looking outside of ourselves for someone to tell us that there's a promise or, you know, a likelihood and a hope that we'll be successful. But there is no gatekeeper to success. The only gatekeeper to success that I have found is the strength of your own purpose and the why behind what you're doing. So you're not going to find the answer to, you know, do I have permission to be here and can I actually pull this off? That answer doesn't exist. What you should really be asking is what is my purpose in being here and what's the why behind why I'm doing this? Like what is driving me? Why would I get out of bed in the morning to do this? And if I can't answer that, if I don't know and it, it, I don't have a compelling answer, then I probably need to rethink what I'm doing and go, okay, I don't think I have a why for that. So I better find something that I do have a why for. And so, you know, on that front, my why started out with the yellow peony as, okay, my why and why I'm listing these things on Etsy is I need to make extra money. My husband and I uh, had just moved back from the East Coast to Kansas City. And so we moved back because we could not afford our life out there. And we were both starting out just fresh out of college. Um, The rent was crazy expensive, of course. And we were used to more Midwestern pricing. So we were like, we know what we can get back there. We've got to move back home so we can save money, save for a house, kind of get our life going. And... So for me, it started out very financially motivated. I just need to make some extra money in the evenings and look, I can sell these. And then it slowly evolved to my why was I actually see that there's a purpose here. There's girls that are wanting, you know, high quality and uh, and luxury looking accessories at a price they can afford. And that was what drove me to even make my own accessories was that I couldn't find that on the market. And so I realized, okay, there's other people like me. This is amazing. I can help them. I can do for them what I did for myself. And so my why became, you know, even more focused on my audience than myself. And then, you know, fast forward a few years when I had kids, my why started to change. And then my why became because why am I doing this? Why am I making bridal accessories? Because I want to stay home with my girls because it enables me to make money and have the freedom and flexibility in my days that I wanted to stay home with them and be home with them when they were awake and work at night when they were asleep and work during their naps. And, you know, I had left my full-time job at that point um, to stay home with my daughter who was born, my first daughter. And, And then my why totally became, you know, my kids, like they were the why. And so then that's when everything started to shift was not just the first daughter, but especially when my second one was born, my why started to shift from just me and my own family to to other people. And I was like, I want to encourage and I feel so passionate about just um, enabling and encouraging women wherever they're at with that whole process and discussion and conversation with their work and their motherhood, that it can look so many different ways. 
and that there's freedom for you to ask the question, what should this look like for us? And that if you want it to look different than it has, that you can change, you can change your mind and that, you know, you don't need permission to do that. You just need purpose to do that. You, what's your why? And, and so as my why changed, I started to feel a dissonance or I started to realize that I felt out of alignment with my own life, that my heart was in one place, but my life looked like it was in another place. And that was when I came to that January realization of like when I, when I was freely, when I was truly able to ask myself, what is my why? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I building this business? Is this what, is this what I actually love? Or am I doing it because I think it's what I'm good at? When I gave myself permission to ask that question, the next step became clear, which was that ultimately I knew I needed to separate from the business. And I knew that I needed to either close it or sell it. And that it would, it no longer aligned with my biggest why and my most true why behind what I wanted to do and what I felt called to be doing. So I know that's like such detailed, heady stuff, but that is what it looked like for me to have a purpose and have a why that continued to shift and evolve and change over the years. And what was necessary for me to rediscover my why was to always be asking what my why was because it did change. It did change over the years. And it, you know, going back to point number three, it's okay to change your mind. There's nothing wrong with that. And nobody can tell you that you're not allowed. So those are the four things that I wanted to share with you. Bloom when you're, where you're planted. Start before you're ready. It's okay to change your mind. And you don't need permission. You just need purpose. So always be asking what your why is behind whatever you are doing. And that's it, you guys. I am just thankful that I have um, had so much support to this point. I'm thankful for where I'm at today. I'm thankful to be able to have a podcast here to share this with you. And being someone that processes verbally, it's, it's definitely therapeutic that I'm able to just share some of my own story and how it has led me to where I am today. And I hope that it encourages you and blesses you wherever you're at and that you know that it is okay to change your mind. It is good to start before you're ready and you can always bloom where you're planted. As a final note, one of the ways that we have been growing the fastest is through Instagram. So will you take a screenshot of this episode on your phone as you're listening to it and share it on Instagram in your stories? And just tag me and let me know that you're loving the content and let your friends know that it's here. I love meeting listeners and hearing how you're receiving the podcast episodes. It's so encouraging because I go into my tiny closet to record these episodes in complete isolation. And it's nice to know if it's resonating with you, how it's helping you or encouraging you. So that is just the lifeblood for me in continuing to produce awesome content. So I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Come on back next week. I'm going to be talking with Heather Borsma, who is the author of uh, Letters from a Big Sister. So I'm excited to share that conversation with you next week here on Kindled. Thanks, guys.